0: Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 2020 film, Medicating Normal, is a documentary following the journeys of a newly married couple, a female combat veteran, a waitress, and a teenager whose doctors prescribed psychiatric drugs to help with stress, mild depression, sleeplessness, focus, and trauma. Uh, joining us today is Lynn Cunningham, the co-director and co-producer of the film, and Angela Peacock, former Army sergeant and uh, subject in the film. Um, Lynn and Angela, thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Thanks thank
1: for, you.
0: Having now, for having for having us. Okay. Um, Now this podcast is, I I like to sometimes call it a commentary track. It's not a commentary track. I just want to mention that up front. You know, people have said, oh, Brian, this isn't a commentary track. You're right. It's not a commentary track. In that tradition, though, um, if you would like to listen to this podcast uh, while you're watching the film, you're welcome to do so. We will be on the other side of the pause button. And and one of the reasons why, why it is, in, a, in, in this format is to remind you that you're not alone. I know many people listening will say, what do you mean I'm not alone? Of course I'm alone. What I mean is when, when you don't have anyone to go to a movie with, when you don't have anyone to um, to watch a movie with, then movie watching becomes a, a solitary um, activity. And so I will watch a movie with you. Uh, Lynn will be here watching the movie with you. Angela will be here. It won't be the whole movie, probably not, but, but we'll all be with you uh, for, for a little while. Um, I did want to mention a couple of resources up, up front so you are aware of them. There's a crisis text line uh, in the US you can text HOME to 741741, in the UK you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T to 85258. Depending on where you are in the world, uh, check your local listings, as they say, and, and we'll undoubtedly have some more resources we'll be discussing throughout the throughout the show. Um, so, Lynn, and Angela, thank you, thank you for being here today.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Um, now, I, I did want to mention something up front because I know many people might be taking offense or, or find something objectionable with this uh, subject matter, and the subject matter in this case meaning. Um, uh, uh, provocative I don't know provocative is not even not even the right word but uh, you know messy conversations would would that be an accurate way of of putting it messy messy conversations
2: complex um, (laughs) informational in nature good we we mean the best we're not you know but it can be it's just controversial in in itself
0: correct And, and I mentioned that because I don't consider it to be controversial. I know many people listening will and, and will find it problematic. And and I think we're all in agreement that if anyone does have questions about what they're, you know, what they're on to, to talk with their doctors about, you know, before making any changes, and by no means is anyone minimizing the, the seriousness of a lot of uh, conditions that people are living with. So I just wanted to, to mention that up front, that there's no uh, what's a, what's the term pill shaming uh, none of that there won't be any of that on this on this podcast I, I don't recall there being any of that in in the film um at all did it did it, did I miss that part of the film where there was <laughs> pill shaming telling people oh you, you can't I don't recall that being in the um film. But I I felt it was important just to mention that up front so that um, people will, will know that there won't be any pill shaming going on here or making anyone wrong for their for the Helster choices. Um, w- w- would that be would that be correct with the um yes. film that I okay. Yeah. Um so what um what what brought you on this this journey to um, to tell people more about, and specifically the the focus of the film from what I saw is the class of medications uh, called benzos or benzo di uh, that, that long ten syllable word that I can never pronounce <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and for those who might not know what what would be the you know the the reader's digest version of, of what benzos are
1: uh, well, the film is not just about benzodiazepines, but it it take it does by name take up a, a good portion of it, but uh, they are known um, as anti-anxiety pills. And uh, but the film actually uh, addresses a, a, almost every drug class. Mm-hmm. So it is not not at all exclusively about benzos. Uh, benzos are very um, are mentioned a lot in the film and they are um, well, Angie. What would you say? They're just they take they take up a large part of the film because they there's in, in in a way more known and acknowledged about the impact of benzos and historically as well than the other drug classes that we mentioned. But um, it's not it's not exclusively about benzodiazepines.
0: Okay, uh, understood. Because that was something that I, I was I wanted to um, understand now. Because one of the things that, that, I, um, that, that I sort of have a hard time understanding, and I, I'm not being sarcastic or facetious when I say this, is I don't understand the sense of defensiveness and the, the sense of being offended when someone is introducing new information about meds that they're taking. And I can, well, you, can you speak to that? Do you, do you know why why that is? Why that the, why that the, this topic seems to provoke so much discomfort and and because I, I I honestly don't understand it. I don't understand well, why there's-
1: I'll give an answer, and then I know Angie yeah. has an interesting answer to it too. I think what we were trying to do with this film uh, was just simply provide another perspective that is not out there in the mainstream, and it's definitely. It, it, it is um, not taught in med schools. It really, it, it's a narrative that is, is uh, maybe understood better in the, in the opioid world of um, the connections between profit and, and prescribing. Um, that in, in, in our film, it's, it's just not, none of our, our subjects in the film encounter doctors who did not at all buy into this narrative, didn't know that much about it. And um, because of that, it is not a film that denies anyone else's experience. We just want to bring to light a large segment of our population's experience. So in the sense that someone may say, oh, well, that wasn't my experience, I think I understand why it could be controversial, because if someone has had a totally the, the totally different experience from someone else, they're gonna deny that other person's experience. And we're just trying to say in the film, a lot of people are harmed by these drugs, a lot. And given that one in five are taking them, um, that's a lot of people in our country that we need to just start to listen to. Um, and, um, and, 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 doctors aren't really doing that. So therefore it is controversial. I mean, but it's not meant to deny anyone else their experience. Angie, you.
2: Yeah, I'm Angie. I'm I'm one of the characters in the film or subjects in the film. So it shows my story of that. I was a big believer in medication. I took medication. I thought it would help me for 13 years. um, I tried more than 45 psychiatric drugs in those years which is extremely a lot because I thought like, well, this one isn't working. So let me try another one. So um, it's my lived experience in the film where if you would have asked me six years ago um, before the film was made, you know, do you, are your meds helping you? I would have said, yes, they are helping me. They saved my life. I can't live without them. I, you don't know how bad my suffering is. I need these, you know, I would have said all of those things. I completely believe them. And then one day they just stopped working and I can't explain that. You know, I, I don't know. My it, Basically my story changed that it went from they were helping me to they were harming me. And now when I look back, they were hurting me for a really long time. I just didn't realize it because I was taking them the way the doctor told me to take them. So um, I don't know. For me, it's just that, like, like Lynn said, there's a narrative that if you're in suffering or you're in pain, that you need to go to the doctor. You need to get prescribed medication and take them as prescribed and be a good patient. But that's exactly what I did. And it didn't turn out well for me. So this is kind of like the other side of the story. Like if for me, I wasn't getting better, but nobody ever said, well, it could be your meds hurting you. So I kind of had to find that out on my own.
0: Well, one of the things that I am finding out doing this podcast, and it's sort of reminding me of stuff that I've encountered, uh, whether it's the, um, the the major mental health care organizations in the U.S. I I can't speak for the ones outside of the U.S. I think some of them might be better, though better would be uh, a very relative uh, term considering the the subject matter that that we're talking about. Um, I have encountered a, a great deal of resistance and hostility and offense at simply wanting a dialogue that is other than the whole oh woe is me sort of of storyline and there's a lot of obviously a lot of exterior you know external factors going on in our world right now Uh, you know you know any number of different uh you know examples of that which lends itself to you know to the interior uh, of someone's life that i don't think necessarily it's it's Beneficial to um, r- restrict, for lack of a better word, a lot of the dialogue on mental health, and I, I do see that there is a considerable amount of r- restriction that goes on in terms of the the mental health organizations in the U.S. dictating what's going to be the conversation, and that's one of the reasons why I. I, I why I wanted to have you on the show is that I see that you're providing that that discussion that I'm simply not seeing. And I, I think that's so so I want to thank you for, for for doing that. I want to thank you for for bringing this this discussion out you know so people so people know about it.
1: Yeah, and we are that is so exciting for us the the outreach that actually Angie um, is part of the outreach of the film now. and uh, we all like to say, You know, the film is great. We've seen it so many times ourselves, but it really is the discussion afterwards. And um, it does not have to be a polarized discussion. What we love about it, and Angie says it eloquently, is that different people respond differently. They not only respond differently to the drugs themselves, but they respond to the film differently. They have different perspectives. They come from different experiences. You have someone that's trained in a traditional medical school. You have someone who's a peer supporter who has been through it maybe themselves so these and she'd say what you say because it's just it's beautiful about the different
2: yeah yeah, just it's every everyone's in the room at the same time everyone watches the film together or even you know on a virtual screening and then we come to discussion together and it's almost like we all watch the same thing. So it's the great equalizer. You know, there's no power between patient and prescriber. It's uh, we have teachers and lawyers and um, parents and teens that are taking antidepressants and, you know, everybody's in the same room and it's, it's like, we can get a discussion. I mean, I always like to think we are, we know, we're not trying to pill shame anyone. We're trying to, we care about patient safety. We care about health literacy. We care about people doing well. So it's, It's a good conversation to have, not, um, I don't know, not not negative.
0: Yeah, exactly, because I don't, I don't, I mean, and, and again, I don't see how you being right makes the ones who need to be on meds wrong. I don't see that, I don't see that, how that happens. I don't see how the people who are on meds that they are making you wrong. I don't, I don't see, I mean, there's room for everyone We
2: even say, we even say like, we don't want to, I mean, we don't want to be right that I never say that, but we don't, we're not here to be right. But we (laughs) are here. We we say, don't believe anything. We said, don't believe the film. Let Mm. it just begin a journey within yourself to look for what is the best thing for your mental health? What do you think about psychiatric drugs? Why, what are the reasons that you take them? What meaning in them do they have for you? It's a personal journey. We don't want to tell anyone anything (laughs)
0: really. uh, Well, one of the, this, this, Podcast is being pre recorded, I, I think, in the past week or two, or uh, re- recently when this is being pre recorded. Uh, you know, surprise, surprise, there was a major pharmaceutical company that had that was fined for some, you know, misbehavior. And that is, not, you know, <laughs> so that's the context that a lot of what we're talking about exists in. A lot of you know, misbehavior and not having the most altruistic motives with the pres- with, with what they're prescribing.
1: Yes, and that this is Lynn, um, the filmmaker, and um, that's that's part of what we, we we felt this film was was it was a, it's a really big film because and it's taking on a lot, and we have five incredible subjects whose journeys you get very involved in, um, who all are adding a different piece to the puzzle. But we felt that the the pharmaceutical, the profit motive that had to be unpacked and people had to understand the history of it. And people had to understand how in, for instance, in America, we we allow direct to consumer advertising on television, I mean, on television, on air, whereas uh, there's only one other country, I think it's New Zealand, Uh, where these drug ads come on, you know, and of course, this puts doctors into very awkward positions, because people come in and want these drugs and think and are led to believe um, through all the advertising dollars pumped into it led to believe that if I take this drug, all my problems will be solved, which is why we sort of came up with the name medicating normal, because if you look deeply into it, the DSM, which has all the the, the labels of, of, the, of the disorders that we're taking, um, you know, you have to have one of those disorders to then be prescribed a drug. And, you know, the profit motive, the people who are testing the drugs are also benefiting from the drugs. So this is a huge, inter, in, intricate web that you need to understand before you really get the whole picture. In addition to, oh, my gosh, is my drug actually helping me or harming me? So, yes, we agree. There's a whole pharmaceutical component that absolutely needs to be understood.
0: Correct. And, and, and the profit motive part of that is something that has, has always and still does to this day just strike me the wrong way. Because essentially, you've got people who are, you know, pick your, pick your diagnosis, fill in the blank that diagnosis is a number on some board of directors report when they're reporting to the shareholders. How do people not find that offensive? Like someone's life is literally on the quarterly report to the board of directors. How do people, how do those, how do people not find that just offensive? That's, well, what, mean- that's what I have a hard time understanding.
2: It's even like for me and part of this is in the film where I went to the doctor, I knew I needed help. Right. And I was like, help me. I'm I just came from a combat zone. I'm having nightmares. You know, every time, every time I hear a gun slam, or every time I hear a door slam, it sounds like a gunshot. Like I was literally having real problems, but in order for you to see a doctor, you have to be diagnosed in order for you to get a medication, you need to be diagnosed to, for the insurance to pay. So anytime you have help seeking, when I'm, you're asking for help, it's not just that you're asking for help, there's another train of events that happens, right? So mm-hmm. there's so many different um, intersections here.
0: Now, one of the, the, the themes that I did see mentioned, because I, I, I saw a, this a wasn't a work print or, pre, I'm not sure if this was the finished version or not, but informed consent. And what would you, what would be the, how would you describe informed consent? What, what is informed consent?
1: This is Lynn, the filmmaker. I informed consent is a really important part of our film um, because it's not; it is not being it is it's almost idea. It's an ideal. It's not being practiced regularly, and um, it is it isn't because um, many, 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 not all of the doctors that we have um, interviewed and uh, come in contact. with With through our screenings, have acknowledged that informed consent. They are not really taught fully the side effects of the drugs. The uh, they're not long. The long term impact of being on the drugs isn't even known because no study goes for that long. So informed consent is something that someone needs to have before they take these drugs and it, it, it we all say always and, and and the wisest of doctors say it's it's weighing the pros and cons of doing something so you know sometimes there're going to be some bad side effects but if it it if if you're in such pain that those bad side effects help you um, i mean are worth uh, are worth it then you take the drug if but without knowing what the possible side effects are you may hesitate, you may hesitate, you may not, but you've got to be given and, and provide, as a provider provide informed consent. And we just don't think it's it's out there yet. And so it is something we are striving for and talking about a lot. Angie, is that what how yeah. you would-
2: I wanna share a story I never really talk about, but I, I, why not? So um, like 15 years ago, I took opiates for pain after surgery and all that kind of stuff. And then I came off the opiates and I experienced withdrawal, but that was expected, right? They say, if you take opiates for a while, you have withdrawal. Okay. And then at the same time I was in, I was in like a 12 step program that I was just hanging out with, you know, so I considered myself quote unquote, clean and sober. So then 15 years go by, I'm taking all my psychiatric drugs, the way my doctor says exactly as prescribed. I never abuse them, nothing, you know, exactly the way the label said. And then I, I go to come off of my Benzo that I had been taking. It was like one milligram a day, nothing, you know, tiny dose, the doctor says. And I check myself into the hospital. He takes me off the drug. And then I said, wait a minute, is, am I going to experience any kind of withdrawal or anything from this? And he's like, well, yeah, you might have withdrawal symptoms. And then I started to experience the withdrawal within the next week and it lasted for months and months and months. And I still have this damage coming from this withdrawal. And for me, I was like, what do you mean? Are you kidding me? Like I've been living a clean and sober quote unquote life for 15 years. And now you're telling me I have to go through withdrawal again from a psychiatric drug that I took as prescribed. What nobody told me that was going to happen. So and I, I deserve to know that, right? Even. Every human being deserves to know what you're putting in your body. The other part of it is you can read the FDA pamphlet and it says dizziness or it says lightheadedness in the morning or frequent urination, you know, all these things that seem so mild and like I can handle a little bit of that because like I have really bad post-traumatic stress disorder and I really need these to help me feel better, right? So I can function. But let me tell you, the amount of dizziness that I experienced was not a little lightheadedness in the morning. It literally feels like you're walking on a tightrope with high heels on over the Grand Canyon. So they can... I don't feel those things can even accurately give you informed consent because they're not, they're downplaying how bad it is. And they don't know what happens when you come off of them after you took them for six years, even if you were on a small dose, nobody really knows that they don't study this long-term.
0: And a lot of what you're talking about is, you're alluded to this is with the prescription, you see that little pamphlet and I say little because it's often in like five point font, you know, multiple languages with a picture of an atom and some molecular structure. And no one reads those. No, I don't know a single person who reads those little pamphlets that come with, you know, you might get, uh, you know, a a brief um, overview, you know, from the pharmacy when it's suspense, but I don't know anybody who reads, those little pamphlets
2: well in a little known fact is that the actual fda pamphlet that comes with like a name brand drug that's usually taped to the to the container of the pills if you go to like walgreens or walmart or cvs they all get to choose by pharmacy what information you're given so you're not getting the whole pamphlet you're getting like a synopsis of what they want you to know so what i always tell people is you know if you're going to take something that's you know like i said we're not here to tell anybody to not take anything but just google the drug name and then FDA insert and read the entire FDA
1: pamphlet for yourself. Yeah, no, one well, thing I, oh, sorry. I, I wanted to add that another helpful hint, I don't know whether this is the place to do it, but for instance, Ivan, who is in the film, we didn't get to put this in the film, but he's a great pharmacist and uh, he really cares. He's not a big pharmacist, this just not mm-hmm. a chain,
0: yeah.
1: um, but he really cares about his patients and he advises them uh, to keep a journal and to write down what side effects how the how the drug is making them feel when so that they then when they go back in to see their doctor, they are um, armed with details and dates and it, and it becomes a lot more credible and it's helpful to the doctor. so um, you know even that that's not a that's not really informed consent but it's a way of informing your doctor legitimately about what you're going through so, you know, something like that in in, in the absence of informed consent, uh, true informed consent, that's a helpful, something helpful that people can do.
0: Well, and, and, you, and Lynn, you had um, alluded to this just a moment ago as far as all the advertising, and it's gotten to a point where often what that does in addition to putting you know any anyone who's, who's dealing with this in, in a position of like going to a mall and, and telling the doctor you know treating it like like a, a trip to, to visit Santa basically in a way but it also what the second thing it does is it almost creates a, a you know a, a stigma in a way of the very thing that should not be stigmatized because what it what it's doing is it creates somewhat of, of a stereotype or, or a joke that all these commercials, it's like a beer commercial. They're all playing volleyball. They're, they've all got, you know, pretty girls in bikinis at the beach. Those are, that's what they're doing in those commercials. They've, they're at you know, they're at a party, they're at, you know, a ball game. You never see anyone just, you know, just a boring mundane day in the life commercial. It's always the ones who are at a party or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's almost has become stereotypical in a way, which, Harms the people who <laughs> don't need to be harmed. You know what I mean? It, it's it's almost become like like a like a certain life ske- sketch in a way because of how stereotypical it has become. That it, oh, if you get this prescription, you too can be on. You know, you you too can be at this party with um,
1: all these attractive yeah, people. Yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, but it, in, a, in a way, it absolutely looks like like a beer commercial. It really does with a bunch of disclaimers at the bottom. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like.
2: Yeah. And when you're in your suffering and you're feeling depressed and you're isolated at home and you're suffering from agoraphobia or whatever, and you see that you're like, that gives you a little hope. Like, oh, if I take that, that's going to help. But, yeah. Um, Another
1: thing about the uh, the informed consent, and we've actually had a couple of screenings where um, medical professionals in the in our audience have shared this with us and it's really interesting. Um, The notion that, oh, if I really divulge and I really tell a patient what might happen or if true informed consent is available, people will never take these drugs and that would be such a shame because then people would be deprived of of the the benefits of the drugs. And it's sort of like this paternalistic I I don't know. I mean, I, I, understand it. I understand it. In fact, that, that scene where in the, in the beginning of the film where Dave goes into the Massachusetts, Massachusetts state house, uh, that scene on the benzodiazepine is about is, is, is not about whether benzodiazepines are good or bad. It's about providing, uh, informed consent for benzodiazepines requiring that by state law. And it didn't, that, that was turned down that actually failed. And we were asking, Many of the doctors, actually a couple of them from Harvard, why would you not have informed consent? Well, if there's some big black warning on a bottle, a doctor is going to be afraid or a patient's going to be afraid to take it, and then they won't have the benefit of it. But we kept thinking, well, what about, don't you want them to know about the possible harm? Yeah, and the, yeah. so it, it's a very, there are good reasons and there are, there are rationale behind, but it doesn't it just doesn't add up for us.
0: Now, was he the one who I remember? One of the early scenes, there was someone who had a suitcase full of all these prescriptions. Was, was that him? Yeah. In, yeah. The, that with was, the with that the, was the suitcase deep. full of okay. Yeah. Because um, one of one of the highlights, for lack of a better word, or you know, um, year end retrospective, you know, highlight of, of mental health in the US at least, is the uh, the, the legislation which would uh, make a, a, a toll free number for the suicide hotline. And I, I've alluded to this on, on prior episodes with, with, with other guests, but, and, and I've undoubtedly got criticisms for, for expressing this opinion, but I'm not altogether rah-rah isn't this wonderful about it because if all it does is have simply a toll-free way to get at the existing suicide hotline. And the suicide hotline is staffed by the ones who are simply, you know, after being on hold for a long time, simply referring someone to an inpatient center where they're going to be given more prescriptions and more, you know, impersonal cold clinical treatment. You know, yes, it may in the moment prevent a suicide, but I don't necessarily think that you know. I, I, I'm skeptical that that just going the suicide hotline route time and time again is necessarily an efficient way to prevent suicides because there are suicides that are not a result of a mental health issue, and and so I have
2: that, a yeah, I have a lot to say about it. Um, One thing is that we've professionalized help seeking, right? So Mm -hmm. instead of talking to a chaplain or your aunt or your uncle or your um, best friend about something that's really hard, we say, well, go see a professional. You need therapy, go to the doctor, call the nine, call the 1-800 number. Um, I'm not saying that doesn't help people. It's helped me before. I've called 1-800 numbers. I've called 1-800 numbers on people before, but you have to know just like prescription psychiatric drugs those things do not work for everyone there's people that call those lines i know veterans myself who called the veterans crisis line who had a crisis they can trace your phone number they can send police to your address and that has turned into violence and more trauma for the person that was help seeking if you're a person of color and you have an interaction like that with a police officer that increases other stuff you know so it's not it's not to me it's not ideal I I am provocative enough to say, call my phone number. And I put my own phone number up there when I see the 1-800 number listed over and over and over. To me, it's also personal because I suffered pretty bad where I was so suicidal and in the hole, I couldn't even look at Facebook. I couldn't comment. I couldn't speak. I couldn't even articulate how bad I was suffering coming off the the psychiatric drugs. And when I saw that 1-800 number and I saw the push-up challenges, I understood that people were meaning well. But there's nothing like a person calling you on the phone and saying how are you doing and sitting down with you and coming over for coffee and say let's just sit here until you cry it out and we can figure out what to do next we have lost touch with that as a society and we have just given all our problems over to some unchecked medical authority that is just supposed to magically fix all of our problems and it's just not realistic so i'm a big fan of innovation and mental health i think it needs an overhaul I think even me, I I was trained as a mental health therapist. I decided not to do it, you know, professionally, but we need to be humble enough as mental health professionals to stand back and say, like, look, what we're doing is not working. The suicide rate is an all-time high. Prescription drugs are an all-time high. Uh, Just during the pandemic, antidepressant um, prescriptions are up 40%. Benzo prescriptions are up 30%. Two weeks ago, the FDA just put a black, black box warning on benzos that they cause... physiological dependence and withdrawal symptoms that can last months and years and now we have 30 percent more prescriptions were those people told that when they were put on it three months ago you know when the pandemic started no they probably were not so we just need new ways of being with each other and i don't know solving life's sticky messy Suffering that we all are feeling one way or another.
0: Oh, and that—that's right. You had mentioned uh, the Black Box warning being added, and, and that would be, I guess, uh, you know, another highlight or you know, <laughs> year-end uh, in review sort of uh, thing for, for mental health. Um, now, there was a uh, remember that that show Family Ties, that that 80s show Family Ties. There was an episode that I that I came across probably three four weeks ago where. Alex P. Keaton, you know, the Michael J. Fox character, he's uh, interning at a suicide hotline, and they give him like this big, you know, the, the, all these roles and books, and, you know, and so he gets a call first, first day there, and he just talks to the person like a person, you know, violating every every rule in the book. And I, I remember watching, I was watching that, and I think I'd seen it when, you know, when it first aired, um, and I was watching it again recently, and I was thinking to myself, why can't, why, why can't suicide crisis Lights be answered like that? This is some TV show or a work of fiction, but yet if that were you know real, that call would have been more helpful than you know a scripted call. And, and the character on the show is actually telling Michael J. Fox this. He says, "Oh, are you reading from a script?" And then he pushes the, 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 you know the book away and he goes, "No." That it's like a laugh track because they, they can tell. I mean, they can tell that you're reading from a script. It's like, it's, like, it's like a telemarketer who calls you at dinner time. They're reading from a script. And I don't understand how someone calling can, you know, I don't see how you can have that person to person connection if one person is going by, you know, by the literally by the book, <laughs> you know, by a script in some cases, and the other person simply wants a human connection. That's something that I sort of have a hard time with.
2: Yeah. And usually those things are like algorithms. Like you find Mm -hmm. out how high risk is the person. Do they have an imminent threat to Mm -hmm. self or others? Are they, uh, do they have a plan? Are they going to act out on that plan? If so, please call 911 immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, there's a stages. So it's not Mm -hmm. that you're listening is your number one. I don't know. You're trying to be present with the person and Mm -hmm. listen to their story. It's like, no, let's jump to what's the plan hurry up and find a solution quickly so that which you know I can appreciate the intent behind that you don't want anyone to die obviously but you also don't want to cause more harm in the meantime
0: yeah. definitely because like I said that 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 um that new number you know it's definitely a good thing you know there's no denying that, that that's that it's a good thing uh but you're right there is a lot of uh, basis to be skeptical of how effective it is in, in, in the long term um, now, medicating normal, it, it covers, you know, a pretty, you know, a, a pretty wide cross-section. Anyways, you know, all ages, all backgrounds. And this can, you know, as with any mental health, um, you know, condition can affect anyone. And that's one of the things that I think is, is so, um, you know it's not just any one, you know, profile as it were, it can be anyone.
1: Uh, yeah, that that was very important to us as as the filmmaking team um, in the in the long, very careful process of finding who our subjects were, that, who were going to be telling telling their narratives. We really we we loved the geographic diversity. We loved we loved everything that they all did different things that they had different. Um, that was important and intentional because. It it could it, we would you know that's only scratching the surface of how diverse it is. Um, we didn't we didn't have an elderly uh, subject in there, and if you think of what's happening in the elderly community and in uh, nursing homes, and and how much overprescribing goes on, and we we didn't have a, a child in foster care. That community upsets us and worries us. Um, so and just general i guess dave and rebecca rebecca was pre-college dave was graduate school angie yeah Angie's school didn't she was in school but it didn't play into her story as much but um, what happens in colleges across the country i mean mental health kids we know from one screening a professor uh shared with us that they if they sense anything is wrong or or imbalanced about one of their students not acting um, up to snuff or with energy or fe- looking sad. They are not to go to that student and talk about it. They need to report the student yeah. to mental health services. And it just, it just, it's just, as Angie said, it's, it's taking the humanity away from um st- the first line of defense for all of this needs to be human connection. Hey, are you okay? What's going on? I noticed you weren't at class. Um, Let's go get a cup of coffee. I don't know what teachers, maybe teachers don't have enough time, but so, yeah.
0: Yeah, And and that's something that Just lost a bit in a thought. That's embarrassing because I don't do any editing, so there may be like a, some awkward silence while I try to make small talk to remember what I was going to say. Oh yes, yeah, so now I remember what it was. I am not a fan of the whole suicide prevention awareness month and and world, you know, all these different awareness days because. People are already aware of it, but if you're asking someone to get to ask for help, and when they ask for help, as Angela had pointed out, that you know they may get the cops called on them, or they may get um, any you know fill in the blank different um, adverse consequences of that. The message it sends is, oh, ask for help, but you know asterisks, you know this may happen if you ask for help, and I th- so I think there's a lot of PR that more PR than it is substance. And that's something that I find very problematic. Um, You know, the next year when it's Suicide Prevention Awareness Month or World World Mental Health Day, I don't know how much things are gonna be different if it's all PR and not a lot of substance. And that's why- also,
2: yeah, I find that all those, I mean, they're well-meaning, they want people to get help and to everyone to, you know, to feel better about whatever situation they're living in. I understand the intent behind it, but also I feel, and I can't prove this, but it does feel like pharmaceutical industry is behind that. Like if we tell you that you you need to get help, what does help look like nowadays? Help looks like you go to a doctor, you tell them what's wrong, they give you a diagnosis and they give you a prescription. So all the anti-stigma campaigns, I feel like are complicit in that narrative. Like there's only one narrative right now. And that narrative is if you're feeling anything but wonderful, mm-hmm. go get help for that. Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna get help, that usually ends in a prescription. Mm-hmm. So I'm just weary of that. I wish we had more, you know, human connection awareness month. Yeah. <laughs> go have a picnic with and make new <laughs> friends,
0: you know, or. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one you know, of, one of the, the points that I got from the film was uh, the notion of pain. Pain is part of the human condition. I mean, is it not? I mean, there's, you know, you could go down the route of, you know, literature or, you know, the Greek philosophers or, you know, art and, you know, pain is part of the human condition. And am, am I mistaken in, in draw, you know, getting that take-home point for, from the film that there's almost like a yeah. rush to eliminate the pain? Mm-hmm.
1: I, we absolutely agree with that, but I think where you run into trouble when you get uh, varying responses is that because pain is so subjective and it means so many different things to so many different people, that there are people who take great offense if, if, if you say pain is part of the human condition because they say, well, that's, all, that's very well and good for you to say that, but you have no idea what my pain is like and how, who are you to tell me that taking a pill to alleviate that pain is, is wrong. And we under, we understand that that's a very legitimate response. Um, It's so it just, it's what makes this conversation really difficult. No one should be telling anybody who is suffering that they're not suffering. Um, It's just that we, we want, this message that these drugs can cause real harm and their own set of pain, additional pain on top oh. of original pain. And uh, it just needs to be known and talked about and acknowledged as something very real, not something that's denying someone else's reality, but something real for many, many people.
0: True. Sure. because doing the podcast, I always have to, well, I don't always have to, but but I, I, I'm selective about uh, you know, offering my, uh, my, my perspective and, and my opinion on many subjects, because obviously I want to be sure that the topic being discussed is properly discussed without, you know, me interjecting any, any opinion. <laughs> this, however, might be an episode where, you know, I may get some upset listeners, but anytime someone says, oh, well, I get off- offended if you say pain's part of the human experience, I would simply say, Abraham frickin Lincoln. The guy who saved our our, our country, basically, and, and never mind Mary Todd Lincoln, who I think, you know, you could equally say for Mary Mary Todd Lincoln, but Abraham Lincoln, the guy, what he what he went through, and this guy, you know, like I said, that for me, is is an answer. When people well, say that.
2: Yeah, and part part of my story is in the film, but um, I just wish someone would have said, "You just went to a war." Yeah. The way that you're feeling right now is normal, and by normal, that doesn't mean you shouldn't. You're not suffering because the suffering is very real, but you should be reacting to that traumatic situation, right? And everybody says, "Well, I didn't go to war, so," but my trauma was just as bad. Yes, trauma comes in all forms, and there's no, it's not selective to just one class of people, right? People experience, you know, poverty, and that can be traumatic. And the way that you're reacting to that is normal. And yes, it's suffering, but it doesn't mean a diagnosis and a prescription for that is going to take it away. And so I wish we were more honest about that. That like Angie, you were in a war zone. You experienced scary things, and you saw people, you know, saw things that you should have never seen as a young 20 year old. Um, it's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. It's going to be really hard for you to adapt to the civilian world just be honest about that instead of like here's a pill forget about your feelings because now 15 years later after i've come off of all this prescription drugs Mm. i still have the original trauma so in a way the prescription just kicked my can down the road and here i am left with the original problem
0: Mm. well one of the um that i've noticed is that as the film has been um you know unveiled or, or platformed as it were it's gone to a mix of both general audiences as well as professional audiences, and was that intentional to have it be you know for both audiences?
1: Very much so. Um, we like to say we we learn so much from each audience. Audience members learn from each other. Um, we have great hope that. Um, change in this field and in people's perspectives can take place within our, we believe generally doctors are good people and that they need, that they, if they're fully informed and if they can hear from people like Angie, who've had all these very legitimate experiences, they will learn and they will change. So it's really important to us to try to reach doctors and more mainstream audiences On the other hand, it's really important for us to reach people who had no idea that there could ever be an adverse reaction to a drug. So there are so many different audiences for this film. And uh, we do not there's not one audience that. Well, that we anyway, we value that and it's very intentional.
0: Yeah. And and I I did want to just. reiterate something I had said earlier in the show, is that uh, mental health and working through all this, it, it is going to be messy. And I know that there might have been some people who, who took offense at, at my comment just a moment ago about, um, you know, answering Abraham Lincoln. And, and I just want to say, those, those are my, those are my opinions, not, and I want to, just be clear that none of what I said is a reflection of any of what you stated or any of what D'Angelo stated. I just wanted to emphasize that to be as, as accurate as possible. <laughs> um, but like I said, it is something where I, I do, you know, the more that I'm digging deeper into all this mental health stuff, the more that I'm really you know, reaching into a lot of these, um, you know, opinions <laughs> and, and perspective that I, that I simply don't see being addressed. And um, so I, absolutely, I, I, um, I just, it, 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 you know, it can't be repeated enough times that this is something that does need to be in the discussion. Um, when I was first prescribed, uh, one of the medications you, you had mentioned in, in the film, um, I thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread because I I was out like a log for like two days. And you realize that how what a premium that is being out like a log for two days, but then that becomes, you know, then it becomes one day, and then it becomes zero days, and then it becomes, oh, you need to take something else to supplement that. And then it becomes five or six or more meds, and then being out like a log for two days, it doesn't necessarily seem like, oh, that's you know, what was the price for that? You know, it's so, uh, and that's been my experience. And I, I know that there might be people listening who might be at that honeymoon stage where you're out of like a log for two days and you're like, this is awesome. Why couldn't I have had this before? <laughs> um, but I don't know anyone who, who likes being on meds. And that's sort of, you know, there's that Leonard Cohen song, everybody knows. It's like, everybody knows, you know, everybody hates meds. But, like, no one wants to talk about hating being on meds. That's what kind of boggles my mind. You know? It's... And
2: I can tell you I was on 17 at the same time. Yeah. And then after that, it was 5, 6, you know, 7, whatever. And looking back, I thought I was doing well. But okay. if I really looked at my life, like, I wasn't going out. I wasn't having friends. I wasn't having relationships. There was, like, zero libido. I was eating like tubs of hummus and pita chips at night, like just totally lost connection with myself. So some people want that, like legitimately, I don't want to feel my life. It's too painful, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, that's your choice. Totally up to you. But it's just, I don't know. I just find it. It's just hard for me looking back those, those 15, 13, well, 13 to 15 years of on drugs and coming off of them seeing that I thought I was doing well, but then looking back on my life and being like, no, I wasn't doing as well as I thought I was.
0: Well, what would you, um, what would either or or both of you say for those who might not be doing too well, and specifically those who might be on meds, who, um, you know, might not be, you know, have the strength to get out of bed, um, might not have the strength to just be in the world at all. What would you say to those who are going through a hard time right now?
1: Lynn, you want to go or you want me to visit? Well, it's a very good question. That's why we Yeah, it's a very time. good question. Uh, I, I would, the film for me began because I was very concerned about a beloved family member. And as I learned more and more about the situation. Oh, shit. oh her mom came in the room.
2: So oh, okay. I'll nice. take over for a minute yes. while, yeah, her mom goes out. Sorry, guys. Yes. Um, no, so
0: yeah, the, the joys of live podcasting life happens, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. life happens when you're having a podcast, yeah. but um, no, so for, for me, I would say there's many reasons why people can feel bad. It could be your meds, it could be your environment, it could be a toxic relationship you're in, it could be a bad diet and exercise. I mean, there's so many different reasons. So, I would say let this conversation be the beginning of a journey to find out what's going on in your life, whether it's prescription drugs or not. Um, if you have an inkling that it might be the medication could be causing it, the best thing to do is like talk to a pharmacist, put all your drugs into drugs.com and the interactions checker and read all the interactions, go and read all the FDA inserts and each drug. I mean, it's a lot of reading, but, um, there's some really good books on our website. We have a reading list with like 20 books. Um, just let it be, you know, that whatever you're feeling right now does not have to be permanent. And there is. Other things to help you. So, if what your current situation doesn't feel like it's working, then there's there's things to look into outside of the medical model of mental
0: distress. But things definitely can can get better, though.
2: Yes, absolutely. They've gotten
1: so much better for me.
2: Yes.
0: Cool. Cool.
1: Apologies, I had a a dog situation going on. No (laughs) worries. No worries. Um, But I I I was just right in the middle of. I I think if someone is not doing well, I think that they there's so many different avenues and one would say talk to your family first but we know that many many and my family too in our situation family are scared and they don't know and they they turn to the professionals um and because they don't know anything about this world in general so it it, it's great to talk to your family because they love you and they're hopefully they love you and they're there for you but if your family is not responsive or receptive to something as Angie pointed out, if something is not working for you, turn to friends, turn to the support groups, just keep seeking help. Don't take one answer in this scenario, I think. And if one particular doctor doesn't appear to be listening to you, there are other good doctors. We've met so many in the making, in the screening of our film who might listen to you or have a different way of explaining it or be open to tapering you slowly off. Another doctor may not be open to that. So I, I just think if, if, if you're not doing well, it, you've got to do something. And, and But don't give up. Do not give up. Because there are people out there who can help.
0: Definitely. And, and I do want to remind everyone that, that, that you are not alone. Um, you are definitely not, not alone in, in any of this. Um, now, um, as we wind down, I did want to mention a couple resources, and, and these are, I don't want to say great resources, but they are um, good resources. I know that there's Mental Health America, there's also um, NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness, but there's also, um, there's some resources through Medicating Normal, though, also, I understand. Is that correct? How would, um, what would be the, the best way to learn more about that?
1: Our film has a website and it has a resources tab in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, medicatingnormal.com. And, um, but, there, but there are other great websites out there that we link to. Um, uh, Mad in America has a great website, um, uh, a website called Inter, Inner Compass um, that has a lot of information about um, these drugs and, and tapering, Um, there is a, a podcast, another podcast by Will Hall. Do you know Will Hall?
0: I think I have reached, I think I've reached out to him. Uh, his schedule was not, I I guess, yes, I have reached out to him and I, I hope to have him on, on the podcast, um, possibly in the new year.
1: Oh, he has so much, so many wonderful interviews. Like you, he's probing right. these issues. And there's just, there's, and as Angie points out, and as we all have, they're wonderful books to read. Um, Robert Whitaker's um, A- Anatomy of an Epidemic is something that almost everyone who comes down this road and learn, they learn from this. And it's well-researched. It has, he's looked into studies, published and unpublished studies. There is um, there's just a lot of information that you just should slowly dive into um, if you're up to it.
0: Um, The Mad in America site is one that I've I've really um, I'm really glad I came across that site because there's a lot of good info on there. And for those who don't know that it is if I'm if I'm characterizing this correctly, it's a lot of research based but also you know, commentary. I mentioned that word earlier. It's uh, actually a comment from people who have lived experience with uh, different uh, mental health uh, situations. So it's yeah, I ha- going I have right two, from the source.
2: Yeah. And I have two pieces on there. One's about benzos and, and friends that I've lost to suicide. And another was a piece I wrote about um, a woman who got a lawyer to sue her doctors for malpractice with all the prescriptions that had come to her. So, yeah, there's professionals, people with lived experience, research, videos, poetry, creative writing, all kinds of stuff on the same website. Lots of
0: different opinions. Yeah, and that's, I believe, madinamerica.com. And my understanding is that there's also um, mad in other... I know there's one in the countries. UK. So depending on where you are in the world, I believe. And I know that there one is in England also. So depending on where you are in the world, um, check your local listings, as they say, because <laughs> I believe there. And I think those are linked from the Mad in America website, I believe. So definitely check your, your local listings, um, as they say. Um, so thank you so much for, for being here today. I, I appreciate it. Thank you
2: thank so you much so for having
0: me. Um, and congratulations on, on the continued success of, of the film. And I know it's going to help people.
1: Thank you, and let your and let your listeners know that if anyone has an idea or a uh, for for a screening or um, wants to contact us, to please do throw through through our email, which is medicatingnormal at gmail.com.
0: That's medicatingnormal at gmail.com? dot yes. Okay. Yeah, and
2: if you want to see the film, we have a watch tab. So just ch- click on watch on medicatingnormal.com, and, and you can see all the community screenings that are coming up.
0: Correct. I have, and this is being recorded uh, in November. So, but I have seen this, this fairly frequent uh, listings. So, um, so definitely check it out. It, it, is, it is a very good movie. I would definitely recommend it. For anyone who's living through this, <laughs> um, like that, I do want to remind you that that you are you are definitely not alone. And I would definitely recommend medicating normal. So thank you. Um, thank you for, for listening um, wherever you may be at work or at home or driving to work or driving home. Um, stay safe everyone and I uh, talk with you next time. Uh, bye